Hey there, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Good Orderly Direction, Practical Tools of the Bible. Today, we are talking about the flood narrative, which you can find in any Bible in Genesis chapter 6 through 8. I'm your host, Dr. Donnelly Snipes. So it had been a while since Adam and Eve had been expelled from the Garden of Eden. They had Cain and Abel, um, and, and you remember Cain murdered Abel. But the population had continued to flourish, had continued to multiply and, and fill the earth. Unfortunately, this population was struggling with making good choices. They were often driven by superstitious thinking, uh, which drove them to potentially worship false idols. Um, they were driven by immediate gratification, the desire to have what they want when they want it and you know, not without concern for other people. So there was a lot of greed and anger and sloth and, you know, just a lot of stuff that does not contribute to an abundant society. It is hard and it takes, you know, advanced moral development to think about, you know, what is the best choice in the long run here? Do I want to do this right now for the immediate gratification or in order to become the person I want to be and create the world that I want my children to live in, should I delay gratification or should I forego this? Noah and his family had behaved in a godly loving fashion and tried to teach others, but unfortunately we find that the teaching had fell on deaf ears. So remember that during the flood, or we're going to find in a minute, that during the flood, Noah and his family were spared. After eating from the tree, Adam and Eve, before they were expelled from the garden, they developed the ability to discern right from wrong. Henceforth, everybody that was brought into existence, everybody that was born developed the ability to differentiate right from wrong. It doesn't mean they made those choices. Being loving and compassionate is much harder than being selfish. When we're selfish, it produces immediate rewards. I say, I'm going to keep the best for me, like Cain did. It says, I'm going to do what makes me happy or what I think is going to be most rewarding, like Eve did. Um, being selfish means not taking into consideration other people's feelings and the impact that your actions are going to have not only on you, but on everybody around you. Likewise, compromise is much harder than being aggressive and taking what you want or demanding your own way. And if you go into some of the, um, scholars writings that talk about, uh, the flood narrative. You'll find that a lot of people during this time were idolatrous. They were worshiping false idols. They were engaging in, um, we'll just say unholy behavior at, at that point in time. And a lot of this was fueled by uh, sex, aggression, and the desire for power. We see here that just knowing what is right doesn't mean people will choose it. So think about what might cause people to do evil things, to be 
um, violent with one another, to become idolatrous, to start worshiping other things above each other, above their, their family, above God. Um, what might cause that to happen? What might cause them to delay gratification? You know, it is really hard to say, oh, this thing right before me looks really awesome and I would love to do it or I would love to have it, but maybe I need to wait. It's better in the long run for me to wait. And that can apply to family planning, that can apply to careers, that can apply to you know, even day-to-day -day behaviors, like whether you have a third piece of cake or you save that piece for the next day. What makes children choose right over wrong? And I'll give you a hint. It's their caregivers. Children don't have a lot of knowledge in their head, so they model what they see. So children who are being raised by people who are um, engaging in less than godly behaviors are often going to assume those behaviors because that's what they know. It's not because they're bad people. It's because they have learned bad behaviors. So God told Noah to build an ark and populate it with pairs of every type of animal. It rained on the earth for 40 days, but the waters rose over the earth for 150 days. Now, this is a crucial theme that we see repeatedly uh, throughout the Bible. Actions that we take, things that happen, are generally not in isolation. They have enduring consequences. Eve ate from the tree of knowledge. She was expelled from the garden and women were cursed henceforth with the pains of childbearing and yada yada. Um, Cain murdered Abel and there were consequences for that. He was expelled from his, from his clan. He had to wander the earth. Uh, and then we see with the flood narrative, you know, people chose immediate gratification and God became very sad because instead of choosing the right things to do, which theoretically somewhere in their psyche, they know what is right. They chose the pleasurable thing to do and it has reverberating consequences. God's actions have reverberating consequences because there's this flood. And then just like you see today when there's a flood, even after the rain stops, the waters continue to rise as the rivers crest and, you know, top over their banks. This ripple effect can be positive or negative. Health behaviors, for example. If you choose healthy behaviors, then a lot of times in the future, 10, 20, 50 years down the road, you'll be at lower risk for a lot of different diseases. Whereas if you choose immediate gratification and eat high fat, high sugar foods, um, drink a lot, uh, do whatever, engage in those pleasure seeking uh, behaviors, your health is often going to deteriorate for years to come. 
and, and we've seen that repeatedly in the research. Relationships are another example. You get into a relationship with somebody and think about relationship with your best friend, with your significant other. Uh, when you get into those relationships, a lot of times they change you a little bit and that's not necessarily bad, but they may change your opinions on things. They may shape the actions that you take in the future. They may, um, change the people that you would have spent time with. I know I look back over, you know, my youth and the people that I would have spent time with and the environment that I might have evolved to be in is very different than the one I'm in now. It's not that this one's bad or that one's bad. It's just, it's very different based on the choices I made 30 some odd years ago. Think of something you did that didn't go well in your life. Trace it back. Were there choices you made that caused negative ripples? What about something that went well? You know, trace it back. Were there choices that you made that had positive ripples? Uh, for example, I chose when I was in college to switch my major from med school to psychology. You know, that was a big change, but let's look at the ripple effect. Uh, 30 some odd years later, I am successful in what I am doing and I'm happy in what I'm, what I'm doing. And I'm able to touch a lot of different people in unique ways. Whereas if I would have stayed in the med school path, I might be in private practice somewhere and not doing, uh, all the things that I'm doing right now. So there are ripple effects that, that we can look at and we can look back and say, yeah, that was a good choice or, uh, you know, may need to learn from that one. Okay. So the rain came down for 40 days. The floodwaters rose for 150 days. Eventually Noah sent out a raven. Now ravens are omnivores. They will eat anything and they're very opportunistic as well as very smart. So he sent out this raven and it didn't come back. The raven said, toodles, buddy. I can do what I need to do. Ravens are very adept at adapting to new problems. They feed in groups where resources are concentrated and they will eat carrion or dead things. So the raven went out and there was just abundant food everywhere for it. They were like, the, the raven was thinking this was you know, a smorgasbord because there was plenty of meat. Now all the plants had died off, but there was plenty of, you know, carcasses that it could feast off of. Then he, then Noah sent out a dove, which did return. Now doves are herbivores. So when he sent out the dove, the doves flying around going, there's nothing for me to eat here. And so the dove flew back. He waited a little while and sent the dove out again. And eventually the dove came back with an olive branch. And a lot of times today we talk about extending an olive branch as a uh, measure of peace between people. This dove, which is often symbolized, uh, seen as a symbol of peace, brought back this olive branch. It was trying to help Noah and, and help the people and the creatures on the ark, know that it was safe and help unite them with safety.
when we face challenges now here's the one of the themes of the story when we face challenges we must be patient there's a time for recovery and reconciliation or a time to offer an olive branch but we must wait until the environment is hospitable for that recovery sometimes other people you know if you have an argument with somebody sometimes they're not ready to hear your apology or to accept your apology yet and so you may need to wait and bide your time everything uh, there's a time for everything and we do need to recognize that even though we may be wanting to make it end and want it to be over we may have to be like the dove that keeps going out and testing the waters to see is there a safe place to land is it time to begin our recovery and reconciliation likely when the dove went out there were still lots of places that were submerged or there were a lot of there was a lot of suffering but the dove found places that had become begun recovery and worked to help unite and direct Noah to those places where they could start to rebuild so think about your challenges in what ways are you like Noah having to be patient and wait for the flood waters to recede a bit wait for it to be an appropriate time for recovery and reconciliation you may want to do it now but it's not the right time how are you opportunistic like the raven and feast on the misfortune of others I know a lot of us don't like to really look at that but all of us have parts and, and and have made decisions in our life sometimes that have capitalized on other people's misfortune and it's important to look at that and evaluate how we feel and what we can do differently in the future and in what ways are you like the dove that searches for hope and peace and seeks to unite the principles in this story are pretty much centered around prudence and endurance so how can prudence and endurance provide good orderly direction to help you avoid your own flood how can you how can being patient and wise help you make good decisions how can enduring hardship you know waiting even though it's not the most comfortable thing to do waiting until the right time how can that help you find good orderly direction or follow good orderly direction in order to avoid your own flood and create your own new world if you will <laughs>